You are listening to the sermon podcast from Bethel Covenant Church. We're an evangelical church located outside Ellsworth, Wisconsin. And in order to love our neighbors during the COVID-19 pandemic, we are currently not gathering in person, but you can join us live online on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Bethel Covenant Church. We have a live stream every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Thanks for listening. It was funny. I was thinking, I've been thinking about this all week. Um, As Steve and Dave have been working in the sanctuary, um, as I've been getting ready for this service, I've been reminded that almost two months ago, what feels like a lifetime ago, um, we moved out of our sanctuary. You know, we stopped worshiping in our regular worship area and we started um, having worship services in the atrium. It's all still set up for that right now, actually. All the chairs are set up. And as we were tearing down walls in the sanctuary, I kept hearing the same question and answering it. Um, One that at the time seemed really, really important to all of us at the church. Um, You know, we were trying worship in a new area. We weren't sure how it was going to go and we weren't sure how long we wanted to do it. And people kept asking me, you know, pastor, when do you think we'll be back in the sanctuary? And I'd have been asking that question too, if I wasn't the one that knew, you know, when do you think we're going to be back? An important question. And over and over again, I would tell people um, exactly what what I thought was true. I said, well, the plan is to be back in, man, it really is snowing, is to be back in the sanctuary as early as March 22nd. I said, you know, that gives us two whole weeks before Palm Sunday to practice with our new setup. Gives us two weeks to make sure everything works perfectly. You know, the sound is perfectly tuned to the room. All the instruments are in the right place. All the paint is dry. It all looks great. I said, you know, if we get back in March 22nd, it gives us two weeks to practice together. Um, And that way, you know, just in case, I would tell people, in case there's some delays, we will for sure uh, be back in our sanctuary by Easter. (laughs) In fact, I, I remember saying, If we aren't back by Easter, it will mean something really crazy happened. (laughs) And now I know what you're thinking. (laughs) I'm sorry. I I should not have said that. (laughs) Because here we are. You know, for the first time, probably in the history of this church body, definitely the first time in my life, um, we're not gathered. Uh, There aren't people gathered in in that building on Easter morning. The tomb is empty, but so is the sanctuary, right? And and it's different. You know, it's a loss. As as cool as it is that we can still gather in, in some way, it breaks my heart that I don't get to see you guys together today. It breaks my heart that when, you know, when we say he is risen... Um, and I don't have a video queued up for that one. Um, I don't get to hear you say that back to me. We don't get to sit down and gather the kids around and send, and send them down to children's church. We don't get to shake hands or share coffee and treats in person together. Um, and it's, and it's hard. It's not, it's not what any of us hope for, you know, it's, and the reality is it's not just Easter that that's happening to, Right. Everything has been tossed up in the air in a a completely crazy way. 
Uh, I don't think any of us could have prepared for this. You know, my heart, you know, I was thinking about all the different people that are suffering all kinds of different losses right now. You know, our hearts are are breaking for our seniors this year who aren't going to have prom or spring sports or those last things that they thought for sure they would get to do. It, it breaks for our our students, all our students and their teachers who are trying to maintain education and encouragement in the middle of this. My heart is breaking for our farmers, for the creamery, uh, for agriculture workers who are trying to begin a planting season in the middle of a supply chain that's just been turned upside down and and shook. Uh, It breaks for our small business owners trying to find a way to weather a total pause in business. This is not something anybody prepares for. Uh, It breaks people facing furloughs and and layoffs, people waiting for unemployment checks to pay their rent, people stuck in unsafe homes. It breaks for essential workers and healthcare workers and servicemen and women, for people that are separated from families and isolated. Uh, There are a few people, um, it just keeps coming up for me, as people that are just, they're isolated and how painful it is to not be with other people. You know, it seems nice for a couple of weeks, but... When you're not able to see other human beings, it takes a toll. Um, You know, it breaks for the members of our armed forces who are trying to fight off infection while remain ready to respond to anything, right? It breaks for older people who who feel even more trapped and isolated at home, for people in care centers and in hospitals, for people that are expecting children. You know, I think of our own worship leader, Will, and his wife, Adrian, as they get ready to have a baby in a few weeks. What an awesome joy that is. But you can imagine the uncertainty. You know, what is the plan going to look like when we go to the hospital? How's that all going to come together? It's a scary, hard thing. It, it's just breaking for all of us at, uh, who literally, right, have no idea what the next week or month holds for our families, our livelihoods, our, our lives, you know. And I know this isn't very <clears throat> good, cheerful Easter talk. And I don't name these things so that we can spend today wallowing in pity. I really, I really don't in self-pity, you know? Um, but I feel like we're, you know, that moment when you're driving on the, on the icy roads that we may have, uh, later today and your car, it just like loses traction with the road and it starts spinning and you're headed towards the ditch. Like, it feels like we're in that moment, um, the middle of that moment for the last five weeks, There's oncoming traffic coming this way. Sorry for you guys coming this way. There's a ditch on the other side and we're just praying to God for help. You know, our hands are just white knuckled to the wheel. And while there have been plenty of encouraging things, and while we've already seen God work in the middle of this, we are experiencing fear and we're experiencing grief. And I'm starting to see it in myself and in others, the toll that this takes. You know, as we suffer this loss, you know, we're short with each other. We look for people to blame. Our unity of pulling together is starting to to pull in the other direction. We're saying things we don't mean. We're meaning things that we shouldn't mean. We're still so in shock and the path ahead is so completely unknowable. It's hard to keep going from day to day. This is, again, not to throw a pity party, not to put our heads down and cry, but We've got to be honest, right? This is real. This is what we're all dealing with in different ways. Some of us are handling it a lot better than others. Some of us look like they're handling it really good. And and they're just a a minute um, from breaking. 
This is where we're at. Um, I think one of the, the small positives here is I don't know that I've ever been better able to understand maybe what it felt like to be one of Jesus' disciples uh, early Easter morning than I ever have. They were grieving loss, right? And what else were they doing huddled in that, in that house but afraid and grieving loss? Not only did they lose a person that they loved, they lost a dream that they had hoped for and imagined. They lost a hope that they had staked their lives on. But if we're being honest, as much as they experienced loss, our situation is a little different than the disciples. Um, because I don't think the disciples were surprised. You and me were surprised. None of us thought we'd be in this spot. But I think if you were one of Jesus' disciples... What happened on the cross was not something you hoped for. It was something you hoped you could avoid, but you knew, you knew it was a possibility. You knew it was a possibility. I don't think they were shocked by what happened on Good Friday. I really don't. Of course, they were sad. But the truth is, in Jesus' day, uh, Jesus was not the first Jewish revolutionary to hang on a cross. He was not the first person to hang on a cross. And I'll tell you, he would be far from the last. And so for us to understand um, scripture, in this part of scripture, we have to understand that what happened to Jesus on Good Friday was, sadly, it was normal. His disciples would have been sad, but not shocked. Jesus' execution and even the terrible, brutal manner of it was common. Thousands of Jewish men, just like Jesus, had been crucified before him. Some people estimate that at its peak, the Roman Empire was crucifying, crucifying a thousand Jews a year. Think about that. And so when Jesus was captured and endured that same fate, no doubt his disciples were heartbroken, but I, I can't imagine they were surprised. It's one of the most common stories in history, right? Good person, amazing person. We see it even today, right? Good person stands up to a big evil and gets crushed by it. Of course, Jesus' disciples hoped it'd be different, but they were no doubt uh, getting ready to do, in this moment on Easter morning before the sun came up, they were no doubt getting ready to do what many people just like them had done before when their big dreams and best intentions didn't come true. The same thing that we do when our big dreams fall apart and our best intentions don't come true. They were probably getting ready to give up, go back home a little more broken. I think Jesus' disciples were ready to go home and return to a normal life, prepared to never trust even the most amazing person, no matter how inspiring they are, to never trust that somebody could really make a difference in the world. I, I, I feel like that's probably what they were thinking. Um, but we know that that's not how the story ended. We know that the story of Jesus doesn't end with one more cross. They didn't go home. For some reason, they didn't go home. Something happened to them 
Something happened to Jesus' disciples that took this small group of fishermen and women and former sick and poor people and, and transformed them into something else. Something that totally changed the world. In fact, something happened, and we don't know this, you know, I don't care if you, um, I believe what, what's in the Bible, but even if you don't trust what this book says, even if you don't believe the Bible at all, uh, you can't deny that 2,000 years ago, something happened that totally changed the world. That Jesus' disciples, for some reason, they didn't go home, and instead, they went on to do something that would actually overturn and take over the very empire that crucified Jesus. Something that would inspire many of Jesus' followers, his disciples who saw him on Easter Sunday, his disciples to live like him. Instead of returning home and running away and being sad, uh, they, at great risk to themselves, spread his teachings. In fact, they laid down their lives, suffering the same fate that he suffered, crucified or fed to lions or killed while singing hymns. Something happened on Easter morning that's why we're here. Something that would inspire them to change the world in ways that they didn't think was possible. Something that brings us to this moment where we're sitting here and I'm looking at a phone and you're looking at me on your phone or your computer and we're telling the same story 2,000 years later. We're coming together even though the whole world seems uncertain because something happened 2,000 years ago. Something much more surprising than a person hanging on a cross. Something much more surprising than anything that had ever happened in the history of the world, even until now. Something that changed forever how people can see this place. So let's take a moment to hear the story. I know you've heard it um, many years. And in that room right over there where we sit in pews together and sing songs and where we will again soon, we'll tell this same story again and again and again. And so I want you to hear this story um, with new eyes and remember how unsurprising it is what happened to Jesus, but that these lines and these words utterly transformed human history. Josh, one of our confirmation students is going to read it for us. My name is Josh and I'll be reading Matthew 28, 1-10. <clears throat> Early on Sunday morning, as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. Suddenly there was a great earthquake. For an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone, and sat on it. His face shone like lightning, and his clothing was white as snow. The guards shook, shook with fear when they saw him, and they fell into a dead faint. Then the angel spoke to the woman, Don't be afraid, he said. I know you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He is in here. He is risen from the dead. Just as he said what happened, come see what ha where his body was lying. And now, go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And he is going ahead of you into Gal Galilee. You will see him there. Remember what I have told you. The woman ran quickly from the tomb. They were very frightened, but also filled with great joy. And they have rushed the disciples, the angel's message. And as they went, Jesus met them and greeted them. And they ran to him, grasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to him, Don't be afraid. Go tell my brothers to leave Galilee, and they will see me there. Happy Easter. Stay safe. The tomb 
is empty. He is risen, is the message that the women are given. The message they could not have expected. Because for some amazing reason, Jesus didn't stay dead. The tomb was empty and no one saw it coming. No one believed it was possible. Uh, Jesus came back not as a ghost or a dream or or somebody like Lazarus that came back from the dead but would one day just die again. He walked out of the tomb new. Uh, you can't find any precedent for this story in ancient literature. It's category breaking. It's its own genre. In a morning, because of this moment, Jesus' followers uh, who were facing a crushing defeat found that defeat transformed into a total victory. Because death, the one weapon that evil empires and people have always used to control people, could no longer control Jesus' disciples. Jesus' resurrection was a sign of a promise that their resurrection, that their he is risen moment, that ours, and that this whole world's resurrection was on the way. He is risen means death is not the end. He has risen, changed their world, and it fundamentally changes ours. And it changes it in this one key way, because it's confirmation that no matter what happens, and no matter how it feels, especially right now in the middle of the coronavirus, the story of the world is not a tragedy. It's not a tragedy. It's a comedy. It ends with a wedding, not a funeral. And no matter what happened to Jesus' disciples, they knew, whether it was shipwrecks or stoning or hunger and thirst or even bearing crosses of their own, just like Jesus, nothing could take that resurrection away. And the same is true today. It's why we're here. Nothing can take. He is risen away. His resurrection was for them a surprising foretaste of what God was going to do with Jesus' followers and the whole world. He has risen, changed their world, and it fundamentally changes ours forever. It changes every situation we go into. It changes every fear. It changes every tragedy. That one event is the reason why we do this. It's the reason for everything we do as followers of Christ. Because it tells us that no matter what tragedies or fears or disappointments we face, no matter what dreams and plans and hopes we lose, the story of the world is heading towards spring and not winter. It's headed towards life and not death, a wedding and not a funeral. And so when people and nations do great evil, just like the Romans... When natural disasters and viruses utterly disrupt everything we've planned and trusted and hoped for, we remember the story of he is risen. That 2,000 years ago, the tomb was empty. And because that tomb was empty, it transformed Jesus' disciples in a way that is simply impossible without something like that. We remember that one day, that same resurrection, that same life from death that Jesus experienced will happen to you and to me, and to our world, if we let it. My friends, the tomb is empty. And so when in our own lives, 
people hurt us or circumstances hurt us, when we face crushing disappointment, we remind ourselves that we live in a world that is on its way to spring and that the same empty tomb that Jesus walked out of awaits all of us one day. That's why this morning at sunrise, we looked over our graveyard because our graveyard right over there is a reminder that the promise of Christ for all who believe is a promise that you will one day walk out of a tomb. So may we embrace that truth, especially in the middle of fear. May we hold on to that truth, especially in the middle of disappointment. May we hold on to that truth, especially in the middle of tragedy, uncertainty. May we live like it's true. And in these dark moments, in these hard times, may we live not with fear of death or anger, but with love because love we know, because in love we know that our lives are secure in him. Because we know that this world does not end with evil and hate, but with love and good and life. The empty tomb proves what kind of world this is. It changes everything. It changes this pandemic. It changes our tragedies. God wants that empty tomb story to disrupt and change our stories as well. That's why I'm sitting here on Facebook. That's why even though our buildings are closed, we're coming together because we believe that Jesus died to defeat the sickness of death and evil, that he came and lived and died and rose so that anyone could be cured the sickness of sin and cured the sickness of death. And if you've never accepted that cure, if you're not sure he has risen changes your life, if you're not sure you're, you've ever done that before, I want to invite you to do that today. Uh, and at Bethel, the way I like to talk about this is, is by praying a very simple prayer, by praying kind of three truths. I need, I believe, and I turn. We start by saying, I need. I'm trapped and imprisoned by sin and death. I believe that Jesus died for me. And I have turned towards him so I can be transformed. So um, I just want to lead us in that um, for a moment. And I'll use my words. You can use your words in your own head if you've never done that before. But we'll just take a minute to pray because I think it's important in the middle of all this stuff to remember that this one thing has, has changed everything. So let's pray. Lord, I need you. I am sick with sin and death. I can't save myself or anyone else because of your son, Jesus, who died and rose again, have mercy on me and forgive me of my sin and set me free from death. By the power of your Holy Spirit, turn me, make me new, grant me and seal in me the promises of the resurrection in your name. Amen. My friends, if you've never believed that or prayed that before, and you did today, I want you to know that you've been forgiven, that you've been set free from death, that one day you will walk out of a tomb because Jesus gave us a picture of what that looks like. 
You may not be perfect and I'm not perfect and nobody else here is perfect, but you've been forgiven. And God is at work transforming your heart if you let him. And you can trust that this life is not the end, that a new he is risen life is on the way, just like the ones, the disciples and Mary, just like Mary, one of the first people to ever preach the gospel, witnessed that day. That's yours. We praise God. So may we live like that is true. As this continues, as this pandemic continues, uh, as stay-at-home orders are lifted or extended, as case counts go up or down, as burdens get heavier or, or lighter on our doctors and nurses, as economic burdens get heavier on us as business owners or, or just regular working people, um, as things get hard, when your anxiety goes up, when your temper gets short, when you start looking for someone to blame in the middle of this, I've never done that, but you know, of course, <laughs> when you don't know what tomorrow holds, remember this. And I want to encourage you this week and this day to speak these words to yourself and to others. He is risen. The tomb is empty. Um, write it on a piece of paper and put it in your window. Go uh, uh, carve it into the snow in your front yard. <laughs> write it on the sidewalks. But don't forget it. Because this actual moment, this impossible moment in history that turned the lives of real people who lived and breathed completely upside down, uh, this moment that catalyzed a peaceful movement that shook and reshaped the world, my friends, it happened. And it changed everything for them. And it means that nothing can be the same for us as well because the same God who rose from the dead promises us that death is not the end. And we'll look back someday and we'll see how he has risen, transformed this pandemic and even our economic fears and troubles. He is risen, my friends. He is risen indeed. Thanks for listening to our podcast. You can find out more about us and join our live streams at facebook.com slash Bethel Covenant Church. Thanks and have a great week.